Hey, can I tell you guys about my friends at Solid Roofing? These guys are absolutely amazing. Storms recently came through and just decimated our house. Man, they messed our roof up. And the Solid Roofing team came in and they were professional and courteous and just awesome all the way around and they fixed our roof. Now, here's the really great news is that the owner is also a licensed insurance adjuster. So he cuts out the middleman. So not only is he the contractor who works on your house, but he's also the insurance adjuster that can help get you the best deal for your roof. Put the adjuster on your side today. Call Solid Roofing at 918-809-2234. Once again, that's 918-809-2234. Solid Roofing. You're listening to the Northfield Radio Program, where faith, family, and culture all collide with a biblical worldview. Your host for the Northfield Radio Program is Caleb Gordon. You can find out more about Caleb at www.calebgordon.com. Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program, ladies and gentlemen. I'm excited that you're here with us today. As always, want to just give a little shout out to our friends at Outpost Coffee. They are incredible. You need to check these guys out, outpostcoffeeco.com. Well, on today's program, I'm going to have a conversation with a new friend of mine. He is the pastor at Calvary Baptist Church in Pahuska, Oklahoma. Um, how you doing, Caleb? Doing well. Caleb Dunn with us today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what... Uh, What's been going on in your world? Uh, it's a whirlwind. Just started <laughs> seminary. Where at? Uh, Midwestern Baptist Theological Ooh, Seminary. Bring it. Yep, going on. I'm in about six weeks through it, and uh, I'm trying to balance life as a pastor and life as a student in a whole new uh, level. Got a new baby on the way. I, saying, I, I thought thought you had a, a new one on the way. You've got a, you already have a small child Yes, yeah, a two-and-a-half-year-old boy. Oof. Uh, he's a handful, so we uh, we thought that we would try uh, to go another route and have a girl and see how this goes as well. You're you got a gun you got a gun collection, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, That whole uh, that's a whole new ball game there. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So okay, so you you came into Pahuska. Um, where where did you come from? I came from uh, mid Midwest city. I was there for. Two years as a youth pastor at Sooner church? Baptist Church. Say it again. Sooner Baptist Church. Sooner Baptist Church. Okay. What? Uh, how did you get into ministry? Uh, well, whenever I was 16, I felt God call me into ministry. Ran from it for a while. I was at Falls Creek. and uh, So you're an Okie. Yes. Okay. Very yes. cool. Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm, I graduated from Ulaga, very small town. Oh, wow. I know exactly where you're at. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, so felt that call into ministry, and, and ever since then, God's kind of pointed me in that direction. I uh, went to play football at Southwestern Kansas, mm-hmm. went to intern at First Baptist Church Inola, and I felt God convict me of my studies, um, told me that I wasn't going to return there, and uh, I knew it was either going to be uh, a seminary somewhere or OBU, and uh, God opened the door for me to throw shot put and discus at OBU, earn oh, a scholarship, wow. and Very cool. uh, went there for another five years, so... That's incredible. So, you you, you grew up in Ulaga. That's where you went, you started going to church in Ulaga. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, uh, Harbor Church. Harbor Church. Mm-hmm. How did Jesus get a hold of you? Well, I was twelve years old whenever I first remember the gospel, hearing the gospel clearly, knowing that I needed to 
repent of my sins, um, felt God call me then. And uh, uh, I went forward, did the sinner's prayer, and uh, kind of fell away throughout middle school, going into high school. Got into a severely unhealthy relationship with a girl, and um, God really convicted me of that ended up taking her out of my life and then at the same time whenever all this was going on uh, I lost my best friend in a skiing accident Mm. and uh, it was just kind of what God used to really get a hold of me kind of slap me across the face and say you know that you need me and uh, you haven't been living for me not been paying attention huh? yes Mm -hmm. so So, he got a hold of you yep at 16 I remember sitting in my living room middle of the night got down on my knees and said, God, I surrender my life to you. So mm. I understood I needed it, but I wasn't ready to surrender yeah. the, that, that side of things. Awesome. So I, obviously I know these, um, the, the answer to these questions, but I, for our listeners' purposes, some of your favorite authors, pastors. Oh, yeah. we That's how we even <laughs> first, our first discussion was about yes, that. it was. <laughs> and uh, we kind of had an aha moment. Uh-huh. Um, well, we, we discussed Charles Spurgeon, have, yep. a, have a deep... Uh, respect for Charles Spurgeon. Mm. Prince of Preachers. Uh, the Prince of Preachers. Uh, Spurgeon has a way of putting the most simple things in the most beautiful ways. Yep. And um, Makes it sound really complex when you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. That's elementary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he can take, you know, three or four four lines out of a verse, and where we want to, you know, fill in the gaps, he just makes it clear. Um, we can kind of twist the meaning whenever we do that, but somehow he always stays within the theology and keeps it not proof texting, but just yeah. just reveals the truth of it. Yeah, um, I love uh, John Piper. Mm. Currently reading. Come on, John Piper right now. Um, I have to go very slow because he's <laughs> a lot smarter than me. I got to see him live once at the Linger Conference in Dallas, and literally, I was like, I got done, and the people I was with, I, I looked up, my wife and I were like. I need him to preach that again because I, yeah. I wasn't taking good enough mm-hmm. notes and my head is about to explode. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, was, yep. it was pretty intense. Yeah. Yep. Uh, reading scripture supernaturally, mm. and uh, it's been fantastic so far. In fact, we're leading our church right now uh, through a study of Psalm 119, and the whole basis of it is falling in love with God's Word. Isn't that awesome? Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's, uh, that's kind of the push, and, and personally it's what God's been convicting me of is to find that passion for his word, because once you have a passion for his word, you're going to obey his word. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, I honestly believe that's half the issues in our church, churches, is that we don't have leadership that loves God's word the way that they should be loving God's word. Yes. They, they say they do, but then, I mean, you, have, you really get down to it, and they're just like, is it the final authority in your life? Well, it's in, it's it's inspiring. Is, well, is it inspired? Well, mm-hmm. it's inspiring. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. And you start having these conversations, and they're using these cute little buzzwords, and God's word's not mm-hmm. a primary objective in their life. And that you know, they got these cool little stories and quips that go along with their you know to make their congregation just love everything about who they are. But they're struggling to even identify that God's word is God's word. Mm-hmm. And I to hear you say that, it's, it's helpful. It's, yeah. I love it. And I think that, you know, the church has done a fairly good job of, of giving knowledge, scriptural knowledge. Yeah. But I think that's exactly what it is. It's, it's head knowledge and not heart knowledge. And that was my issue. When I, when I was growing up, I, you know, I'm a pastor's kid. I had Jesus here. 
mm-hmm. but I didn't have Jesus here. And, and you know, James two nineteen says that the demons in hell believe and they tremble. Mm-hmm. But man, and that when I heard that verse, I was just like, wait a second, they believe, but they're not going to heaven. Yeah, they're not. They're not saved. They're not redeemed. Mm-hmm. But they believe. And, you know, you've got ninety. Quote on ninety six percent of Americans believe that there's a higher power, believe mm-hmm. there's a God. Well, yeah, yeah. of course, ninety six percent of people do. So do the demons. Yeah. Like, but that doesn't mean everyone's saved. Mm-hmm. And the, out of that ninety six percent that believe there's a God, so I just, I, I think that that's that's the onus. And to, and to see, like, I see your posts and I listen to stuff you say online, and just I love that you know you're pointing your congregation in the direction mm-hmm. of Scripture alone. Scripture mm-hmm. is the primary foundation upon which we can work we need to stand mm-hmm. um so that's awesome so okay as a as a pastor what do you, how do you find uh balance with the because you're full-time correct mm-hmm. okay so um see this is literally me learning you on on the air that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> um not but, staged and it's not staged <laughs> this is very authentic conversation um how do you have a work family balance ministry family balance how's that how's that play out yeah and that's something that we've i have a i have a mentor group that we all meet together it's a group of young pastors that go and in fact michael esquat he's yeah. he's among them and as this was kind of the discussion we go to older pastors who have way more experience and mm-hmm. sometimes more gray hair than we do uh, to kind of speak wisdom into our lives and yeah uh, this was the discussion you know the the balance side of things uh you know people always try to categorize and it's something I do in my own life is we try to, you know, this is my being a good husband. You know, where does that right. where does that play into uh, this grand scheme of things? Where is being a good father? Where is being a good pastor? And really, all of that falls under the same umbrella, mm-hmm. the, uh, the same category as just honor God in all that you do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, oftentimes that's going to look different throughout stages of your life. Sometimes God's going to lead you in a direction that says, you need to take care of your wife, mm-hmm. and she needs to be number one right now. Do that. And sometimes that'll be the church. You need to lead the church in a sure. mighty way. And it means that your family's going to have to sacrifice yeah. a little bit. And, uh, yeah, that's a—I mean, it's going to be a struggle always that as a pastor, um, as just—not just as a pastor, but just as a general person who loves God and is trying to glorify Him in ministry— um, that's going to be a struggle is, is where is the sacrifice? Yeah. Um, and you're always going to have a sacrifice. I mean, Jesus himself told us in his words, you know, love your father. If you love your father or mother more than me, you're exactly. not worthy yep. of me. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And and I do think that sometimes, I mean, there, there does have to be that balance because we can turn our families into idols mm-hmm. and that can be dangerous. But also on the other side of that, because I have seen it in ministry for almost, mm-hmm. you know, for almost 40 years now, I've yeah. seen pastors who are doing ministry all the while their children mm. are just uh, literally just cast aside to the, you know we've got to take care of the students here at the church I'm like well mm-hmm. your kid is in the church yeah and they need to be spiritually worked on they need to be yeah. spiritually nourished and I, I've seen it where and that was the one thing I think my dad did really well mm-hmm. even though he was bivocational he you know he was a he used to be the city manager and he was uh, the pastor, but he did a, an incredible job of getting in and making sure my brother and I both understood the foundational principles of who Jesus was. Um, and this is like we grew up, and I told Michael this in the, our interview. I grew up um, thinking I was saved, and I wasn't. I was eighteen when I come to when I came to understand my depravity, like mm. truly. You know, oh yeah, I pray. I prayed the sinner's prayer thing, yeah. and JD Greer would not have been happy with me, but. Um, <laughs> 
I, you know, I went through that whole process and came to understand my depravity at 18 years old. Mm. And I understood that I was a religious lost kid. And it was just because my dad was faithful to get involved in, in, in my life. But he didn't sacrifice mm. the church. He right. didn't sacrifice. I was, I, was in, I, was commu- I was a part of the community. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's, I mean. Yeah, and your, you s- your ministry starts at home. Exactly. You know, every day you wake up, you're 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 there ministering. Um, it's it, again, it comes from us always looking at mm-hmm. our lives as a as a big category. You know, from taking our spiritual life into you know our work life into our family life. You know, it's 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 not it's not categorized. And it's if not, you and read we don't the scripture either. Yeah. So mm-hmm. go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You. Yeah. If it? you if you have the scripture, you uh, you, you definitely uh, mm-hmm. will see that. The, the, uh, excuse me, the, the whole text does not, the, the Hebrew line of thinking is not, you know, we have a spiritual side and we have a physical side. That definitely is not in the text. And, and we try to do that. Right. Sure. We try to, we try to separate our lives into those categories. Everything's, everything should be combined together. Jesus should be the center of everything we do. And that's, and that, but having that accountability with other pastors and with mm-hmm. other leaders, is really good. And mm-hmm. I love how you said getting a hold of guys with gray hair. Um, I was laying in bed the other day, and my son, he looked at my, <laughs> he goes, Dad, you got gray in your beard. I was like, yeah. He goes, you know what that means? I was like, no, what's it mean? He goes, you're going to die soon. <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. For, right, yeah, cool. there he goes. <laughs> in his mind, I'm like, what about Papa? What, is, what does balding mean? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're in serious trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in the same boat. But, okay, so... Um, when it comes to um, how, so, how long have you been pastoring? Totally. I've been pastoring well, about a year and a half. Okay, yeah, so, and that, is that? Uh, that's that's yeah, senior pastor. Senior pastor. Uh, I was in ministry for two years before that. Yeah, so you're doing as a student ministry pastor. before that. Mm-hmm. So, in ministry so far, you and this is the beautiful thing. I, I love seeing hearing people that are into this fresh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then haven't you know? Because sometimes you get guys that have been in it for 20, 30, 40, 50 mm-hmm. years, and they're sort of kind of like. Yeah, I don't like anybody. <laughs> so they're just. I love hearing the um, the fresh perspective. So what mm-hmm. what is it? What are some of the struggles that you have found in ministry in the last three years? Uh, well, the the struggle is you know we're kind of in a in a weird time in culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on the tail end of you know a very moralistic society and culture in in the United States. Uh, where people always went to church yep. because that was what you did. That's what you did. Um, and uh, we're kind of in this transition between uh, those people who still hold on to that kind of moral code and they're there kind of just because that's what you're supposed to do into this new transition where they're there because they are on fire for Jesus. Yeah. And there's this big kind of struggle between those two viewpoints and, and what the church should do for the future. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think that just balancing those two sides of views and those things, and, and within me, you know, I, I come from zero church foundation, okay. like uh, church traditionally, any, yeah. anyways. Uh, my church in Ulaga was uh, a church plant, very new. It didn't have, you know, uh, history that people wanted to hold on to that would might keep them from um, pursuing after mm-hmm. God uh, in a new direction or in a new way. Um, and uh, I think uh, right now the, the, just the culture in general is in this place where are we sacrificing tradition or are we sacrificing Scripture? And 
oftentimes they think that we're 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 going away from biblical uh, ways of sharing the a, gospel whenever we're just going away from just the way we've done things for the last. We've always done it years. that way. We can't mm-hmm. change it. Yeah, and I, I think that's nothing new. I think that yeah. every generation faces that. We do. Um, I think you know personally being being a young pastor, it's it's me been learning you know sure how to trust God in His vision, and I always make a joke you know God only gives me a vision seven inches fr- in front of my face you know because Probably you know we can handle the long term yeah the long term vision and, and seeing where the church is going to go if I were to see that I would go around God to right. get there and I would mess everything up in the process. Yep. There's so that's that's been the learning curve, the learning process. And then also it's it's about bringing the church alongside you. You know, you get passionate. I mean, I get passionate about sharing the gospel and about leading the church. But sometimes I get so passionate about that that I often neglect those who are around me. Yeah. And it's been that learning curve and, and process. The, and that's the thing that I've, I've noticed is we want to hire our work done. Like mm. we don't want to do it ourselves. We want to hire the work done. We want to, you know. That's the pastor's job to, to witness and to share Christ and do that. No, no, no. That's the pastor's job is to equip the mm-hmm. sheep yeah. of the, the, the congregation. Yeah. Equip the saints for the ministry. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Get them out to, to do what they need to do and trying to trying to motivate folks. I mean, you, I mean, you're talking about the people that are holding on to that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what you know what the national average of people uh, that people go to church, the people that actually are in church, member like members of churches, you know what the national average uh, how many times they come to church a month? I have no idea. For a normal church member, once a month. Once a month. Once a month. Like that's I, we're starting to see this big disconnect where mm-hmm. people Made a commitment to be in the you know with the saints, not not neglecting to meet together, and we're just mm-hmm. once a month we we might show up. That's yeah. the average national average for most folks to to be in church, and I'm like it, that breaks my heart because mm-hmm. I see it in my own church. Yeah, where you know you get people you know oh we're just you know I got stuff I'm going I'm, and and I get it we're busy mm-hmm. like everybody's busy doing something, but. Man, we just we don't we don't show up. Yeah, and cu- yeah, that's I mean, culture has huge role in that. Um, I think that where we are as a church is we can start you know looking at them. Why aren't they coming? You know, <sighs> what what's the deal? Uh, this should be important in their lives. It should and oftentimes be. it's us pointing the fingers at them, and sometimes we need to look at ourselves and say, how can we help them? see that this is important. How can we give more opportunity right. to meet at the, as the church? Yep. And I think a lot of that falls into, you know, this is what we've traditionally done as the church. Mm-hmm. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock, you know. And I think that sometimes that just, the way the world has gone, it just does not work. Yeah. Um, and, and really, I mean, you th- I mean, being a millennial, church has become more relational, um, being that, you know, you can have that same intimate relationship as the church, worshiping in a living room, mm-hmm. uh, reading the Bible of God's Word and having someone present it to you that way mm-hmm. as you can in an in in established church context or, or building. Well, if, I think of people like Francis Chan, mm. who had this huge 9,000-plus member megachurch that mm-hmm. had just, just packed out, and he, and he realized these people are coming to this church for the wrong reason, and I don't want to help facilitate this any longer. Mm. And so what he did is he steps down— and starts a new church plan in San Francisco in like the housing projects. Yeah, and they do house churches. They no longer do the big. They have once a once a month gathering in like a park pavilion. Like they have an old amphitheater they meet in. You can watch those messages online. But for the most part, during the month, if they come together and they have their little worship service in someone's home, mm-hmm. 
and they 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 do many church plants inside yeah. of this huge um, low income housing district, and they mm-hmm. have they've equipped multiple leaders. And they have this church inside of these little apartments, and mm-hmm. then they, after they're done with their worship service, they go out on Sunday and they go out and serve the community. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, you know, in my part of my head, I'm just like, that's awesome. And then yeah. there's like that traditional side of me that's like, wait a minute, uh, yeah. We, and then I'm like, well, that's that's the axe model, you know? Yeah. Whenever you're, whenever you uh, meet, and people used to evangelize so much, the church would grow and grow. Oh, we can't. We can't fit into Joseph's house anymore. Let's go down the street and we'll plant a church there. And it was nope. these little bitty house churches that kept on going. And uh, I'm actually good friends with a house uh, church pastor really? uh, in, in Dell City. And, um, yeah, it's it's a great environment. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to sit here and condemn traditional church models for a building. Sure, no. They're, they serve purposes. It's, it's easy for us to meet, uh, to come together, to worship, to, to hear God's word. Um, to to spend time in Sunday school classrooms and, and to and to learn the Bible. Well, and the thing that I think it, it could be dangerous mm. is that we get so like we have a a, a cult like personality following the, to the guy that's in the pulpit. Yeah, the guy that stands behind the pulpit. Everybody like that was sort of kind of the some of the things I saw in our church. Mm. And you know, Dad can't preach. Some people just like I'm not going to show up because yeah. the pastor's not there. Doesn't mean we're not going to have somebody in the pulpit preaching, mm-hmm. but because it's not the pastor that you th- that you know his name is on the on the mm-hmm. placard isn't yeah. in the in the pulpit. Like, why are you coming to church? Yeah, what is your purpose for being here? Yeah, and you 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 see that all the time. You know, churches who follow the pastor and not after Jesus. But you know, sometimes a lot of times. Uh, it can't be helped. It's just the natural tendency oh, of I the church it. It, members. It happens. But, but a lot of times it's it's also the pastor's fault, you know, for creating that environment. That environment. Not pointing the glory to God. And, and uh, you know, that's that, that happens. And, you know, honestly, in my ministry, I just pray that that, that never is the case. Sure, that, absolutely. That if uh, that were to come down to it, I would that would be devastating. No, honestly. yeah. It would be devastating. Um, but, yeah. It's it's just a culture. It's a cultural change, and I think a lot of it has to do with reevaluating where you are. Um, I think every generation should sit down, take time, pray through where the culture is, seek the scripture for a model, yep. and say we want to pursue this, and we don't want to let anything step in our way. You what? know, and Paul talks about becoming all things to all men in order to save some, sure. to win some to the gospel, and uh, I think that we're in that kind of battle right now we, I think honestly we really people are. are people are taking it to the the extreme of sacrificing the scripture you know sacrificing theology and doctrine and what we believe and, and the foundations dangerous. right yeah and i think i think that's what's scaring people mm-hmm. but there's a way to do ministry and to be the church that is founda- founded in the scripture yep. do, doing it scripturally while also addressing the culture and yeah. trying to win people to the gospel Unfortunately, we live in this world. If it doesn't look, I mean, if it doesn't, if if you've not done your homework and make it look appealing, it doesn't mean you have to have a show or entertain or you know, it doesn't. You're not trying to do a rock show like mm-hmm. some churches throw yeah. a rock show to get people in. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, but I mean, if you look completely just devoid of any life, mm-hmm. why would people show? Yeah, why why are people going to show? And honestly, whenever you Whenever it becomes unnecessarily alien to people, 
Sure. I mean, you take the average 16-year-old, you know, technology-loving zombie, <laughs> and you set him into a little church yep. in the middle of the panhandle that is just separated by tradition, mm-hmm. a totally different atmosphere. They're going to walk in and say, these people are from a different planet. Yeah. This is a, this, I've stepped into a twilight zone here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but I think there is this balance. You know, there's this balance. We can embrace technology. And we Absolutely. can use it to further God's kingdom. Uh, I mean, I've I've shared the gospel over playing online video games when I was 16 years old. You know, mm-hmm. there's just there's ways to embrace the culture without embracing the. the you don't have the to throw sin, the baby out with the bathwater. The water. sin and the depravity that comes with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's where we are. That's I, honestly where we. I are. I don't disagree with you one bit. Um, what uh, you like sports? Yes. Favorite favorite sport. Favorite sport? Why well, we just totally switched gears? No, I'm here. sorry. I just I'm ADD. I'm riddled <laughs> with ADD, and so it's just. I mean, you're just. I'm, I apologize. I love football. football. Favorite favorite football team. Favorite football team. I am a Oklahoma Sooners fan. Sooner fan. See, I'm. I got mm. I got the flag up. We're going. Animosity. We're going. Pucks. I know. It's, Our friendship just crumbled. Did it just crumble? I, no. <laughs> no. You know. You, you, no. You have you have Sooners fans and you have Oklahoma State fans and then you have the anti fans, right? Yeah. You have the people who just despise and hate another team, um, and I'm not that way. See, I'm not that and way I either. I can't be that way because I didn't graduate from Oklahoma. And uh, here, I'm an OBU fan as well. Yeah, we go barely Bison's. have football. Yeah. But we got it, and it's it's growing, so it's it's good. It's getting a little bit better. Uh, and the only reason I'm an Oklahoma State—I mean, the, um, we're honest here. This authentic conversation. The only reason I'm an Oklahoma State fan, my dad went there, my wife went there, my brother-in-law went there. So by default, if I came yeah. in wearing crimson into my house, yeah, you know, I got I got almost all my friends are Sooner fans. Yeah, ties. Yeah, I just, yeah. I, just yeah. I always tell my friend like Aaron. I tell my friend Aaron, I'm like, bro, listen. I don't. Have, I don't come home to you. <laughs> so yeah. I gotta. You know. Yeah. <laughs> we bleed orange, so that's just yeah, the way my, it goes. My family has more ties to OU than OSU, and, that's, and, and yeah. that, my dad was an OU fan. That's what I grew up watching. So naturally, that's what we kind of gravitate cool. towards. Very cool. What do you see for the next ten years for yourself, uh, ministry-wise, personally, and your family, all that kind of stuff? Honestly, it's just, uh, and it's it's been since I've started ministry. It's just to be where God can use me. Um, that my fire doesn't go out and uh, that God would put me in a place where I can kind of spark. In fact, we just had an associational meeting and uh, great, great leadership within that kind of helping us as pastors uh, grow as leaders. And uh, we we met and they talked about vision. What is your vision? And uh, honestly, the vision that I have is that God would use me to spark a spiritual awakening in the community that he places me in. Very cool. Um, whether that be the community of the church or just the community in general. And I think that, you know, obviously a, a fire starts with a spark. And if mm-hmm. uh, I can be that spark and somebody else kind of catches that and ignites, then it'll grow and grow and grow until, you know, it's a consuming flame. So uh, that's where I'm at. And, uh, and uh, you know, that's that's kind of the role of the, the pastor sometimes, too, is, you know, to spark it and then let the, the rest kind of set everything ablaze. So Very cool. Very cool. Um, All right, so as we end up, would you dismiss us in prayer? Absolutely. Thanks. Dear Lord, we just thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. Uh, Just thank you for this time that we get to come together and discuss your church, uh, discuss the mighty things that you can do. Lord, we just pray for uh, that revival, Lord. We just pray that uh, many would come to know you in a mighty way, Lord, and that uh, through this uh, this ministry, through Caleb and his ministries, Lord, that uh, you would just continue to work. And just ask that uh, uh, 
Uh, as we close, Lord God, your spirit would continue to guide us and direct us uh, into whatever way we need to glorify you. Lord, build your kingdom and let us be a part of it. We thank you so much for this opportunity. It is in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. This program has been brought to you by DSR, a technology company that has been investing in Bartles of a Families for over 35 years. DSR, we deliver technology.